Um, we are in, I don't know, the third part of this series called Financial Life Preserver. Over a hundred years ago, this month, the Titanic went down. After the, after the ship that was claimed to be unsinkable hit an iceberg in the North Atlantic. Fifteen, over 1,500 people lost their lives. Over 1,500 people lost their lives. A great tragedy. In 2008, what seemed to be an unsinkable American economy, everything was booming. Does anybody remember what, what it was like financially before 2008, 2007, 2006? I know some people that made so much money during that period. It was crazy. It was crazy. Um, everything was booming. And then 2008 hits. We hit an iceberg of our own. But what was the iceberg? Do you know that trillions, I'm talking, tr- I cannot wrap my mind around what a trillion is. I would like to try. If somebody would love to give me a trillion dollars, I will do my best to investigate what it is. But trillions of dollars were lost from the American economy. Or trillions lost around the world. Millions of people put out of work. And it's so often the case, it was the third-class citizens, the poor, who suffered the most. And who continue to suffer the most. Unless you were, unless you knew someone who is an AIG executive, or... Or, let's see, let's name some other ones. A Goldman Sachs executive. Well, then you made $20 million and went on to become the president of Harvard University. While many of us have prayed and prayed and prayed and struggled and struggled and struggled since that time. I don't know how many of us have faced the loss of our job or actually have endured the loss of our job. Um, it's been an incredible time. You know, just praying, God, please so that we can keep jobs that aren't even paying us enough as it is, that don't even begin to pay us what we're worth. Am I wrong, or can I get an amen? I mean, I think I'm preaching in the right room this morning. I mean, I've got, you know, how many of the people in here are educators or working in education? Then you've got construction and uh, nursing and students and entertainment. That's for you, Kambik. All right. And we have a baker who makes the best cupcakes I've ever had. Sorry, that's totally embarrassing. But Andrea is awesome. I make the claim in this series that neither one of these tragedies needed to happen. Neither one. And so we looked at the Titanic, and we're looking at what happened there, and I'm using it as a bridge to help us understand financially how can we keep our finances afloat in very dangerous waters. The first thing we said the first week was that the Titanic may have, may have had a critical design flaw. Its rudder may have been inadequate. Too small of a rudder for too large of a ship that had too much power. That's one of the theories. They were trying to steer too much with too little. And so we said that a wise person steers or plans their finances very carefully because they know that they get out of control quickly and easily. Then last week, we looked at the fact that the the Titanic, 1,500 people lost their lives, 
in, uh, in large part due to the fact that the Titanic did not have adequate lifeboats. Had lifeboats for about half of the people on there. And as often the case, it was the poorest who generally didn't make it to those lifeboats. They went into the water. And so we looked, we, we asked the question, do we have adequate financial lifeboats? These are dangerous financial waters that we are sailing. And we don't have a choice as to whether we're going to sail or not. And, and have we taken the time to make sure that at least in our own lives and our own families, we have prepared ourselves uh, for the dangers that will come and for the inevitable, quote-unquote, surprises that are going to happen? Have we, have we taken the time to do that? So, and we said that the wise person, uh, the wise person does that, takes that time. The wise person prepares for the bad times in the good times. Because the times that we would consider to be bad, they're coming inevitably. Sickness, job loss, economy, uh, economy shifting, layoffs, rising tuition, um, flat tires, <laughs> uh, changes in the, uh, changes in rent, um, Mortgage situations, that stuff's coming. It will come again. So have we prepared ourselves? So how many of you guys feel like you have a really good handle on what happened in 2008? Nobody? Anybody? That's okay. I'm not judging you. Um, luckily, we have Shelby, and she is a business major, correct? So Shelby's going to come up and explain it to us. I'm just kidding. How rude. But I did find, um, uh, and I, I shouldn't, I'm not publicly endorsing it, but I am saying I watched a documentary this week that if you're into it, I think it's worth watching, actually. It's called um, Inside Job, narrated by Matt Damon. Um, interviews some incredibly, uh, um, it's amazing who, he was, who they were able to interview about what happened in the financial collapse and what, what really went on. Um, it's, it's a little over an hour. I watched it in about three stages because I was very uh, upset during parts of it. <laughs> it's like, seriously? You didn't go to jail? That's crazy. Um, but I found a nice, fun, illustrated 11-minute video that will give us, some, give us a basic sketch of what happened. Would you like to see it? Yeah? Okay. Uh, Steve? Huh? No. What do you mean, no? Do we have the audio for it as well? Yeah? Great. Okay. Then let's be enlightened together. The crisis of credit. I understand got, uh, got placed in very high positions after that. Government positions, um, government positions, key positions, faculty positions in business schools. Um, nuts. Crazy. Was that about, about right, Shelby? Except all your teachers blame the government. Sure. Well, the government did have their part because the regulating agencies that were supposed to be regulating that didn't do their job. So the government did have something to do with it as well. But the funny thing is, is nobody in this room did, really. I mean, it's, uh, I, I had a mortgage that went, ooh, it, it went well over $100,000 um, uh, upside down underwater. Um, and I was, I was the person, the broker that sold me that said, here's a really good deal. This is a great deal. Now, Julie and I, we came out okay because, um, you know, we didn't go into it blind and we had some plans and 
some ways that we took care of ourselves. So we didn't suffer as much as uh, some others suffered. Um, does that? Did you guys track with that? Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, got a Bible? Open up to Proverbs twenty-one five. Again, Proverbs is wisdom literature, typically written to instruct younger people uh, to become wise. And so we're just going to read one of the Proverbs. Proverbs are easy because you don't, like, to do all the exegetical work to get the context is not quite as necessary because they're standalone phrases. Um, you know, it's a collection of phrases, and some of these are exclusive to Israel, and some of them are have been found in other cultures as well. Some of them probably come from some of the other cultures. Um, but God intends for us to be wise, right? Not just wise when it comes to, you know, how to read the Bible, but wise all over. Jesus instructed us to be wise as serpents, yet harmless as doves. Um, and so there is something to becoming a wise person. So uh, we're going to read verse 5. I'm going to read it in a few different translations, and I'm going to start with the English standard. Proverbs 21.5 says this, The plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. Okay. Uh, here's the same proverb in the New Living uh, Translation which is a little more of a thought-for-thought kind of translation. I mean, originally these were written in Hebrew. New Living, the, the scholars that translated the New Living rendered it this way. Good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. And now my friend Eugene Peterson, who rendered the message... Uh, translation or paraphrase. Verse 5, he says, Careful planning puts you ahead in the long run. Hurry and scurry puts you further behind. So the plans of a diligent person surely uh, lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to want. So plans and hard work, plans, and hard work. How many of you have ever known someone who works, who's a very hard worker, but doesn't have a plan, and never seems to get ahead? I mean, there's a lot to be said for being a hard worker. But hard work alone does not necessarily guarantee uh, to put you in a financial, um, in a good shape financially. It doesn't. The hardest, I worked at Corona Aluminum Company for years. One day I was out on the loading dock and I looked into the parking lot. And the cars of the working people, the blue collar workers, you know, the guys getting their hands dirty, which I was one of them, were kind of on the right side of the parking lot. And the cars for the office workers were on the left side. And I stood on the dock one morning drinking coffee, looking. I thought, isn't that funny? The people that work the very hardest at this company get paid the very least. And the people that kind of come and go as they please and have life much easier tend to make so much more money. Why is that? Have you ever noticed? Do you realize how hard it is 
to pick fruit or to harvest crops in a field? That's backbreaking labor in the hot sun. And they get paid the lowest. Right? And so we were, we were raised to be a hard worker, and that's true. But being a hard worker alone is not going to get the job done. We also need careful planning. We need wisdom, and we need a plan. Those two together give us a better shot at, at being uh, in good shape financially. Those two together. If you have a plan, but you're not a hard worker, you don't work for that, and you try to take shortcuts, probably not going to pan out. But if you're a hard worker who doesn't have a plan, there's lots of smart people with plans that will get you to work hard for them so that they prosper financially, but you never do. You know, they're not going to think about your money for you. Does that make sense? Titanic, one of the problems with Titanic was that Titanic was oversailing her lookouts. What I mean by that is Titanic was sailing at a pace that was too fast for conditions. They had lookouts up there, maybe with uh, some binoculars. They were looking out on the North Atlantic for icebergs. They were on full, they were like full steaming ahead. They're making good time. Right? But by the time, but because they did not plan carefully for this voyage, and this steamship is moving at such a pace, by the time the lookout saw the iceberg, it was too late. I worry about that now. I ride a motorcycle, right? There's something we do called overriding the headlights. We do it in cars, too, which means you're going too fast. Your headlights only go out so far, right? And it, at, a, at, at every speed, it takes you a certain amount of distance to stop. So if you're going slower, you stop in a shorter span or a, a shorter, shorter distance. If you're going faster, it takes much longer. And that, like, goes up exponentially. So, but your headlights only go out so far. So if you're going, if you're overriding or overdriving your headlights, what it means is, is you're traveling so fast that, that once you see something in your headlights, it appears in your headlights, it's too late for you to stop and, and avoid hitting it, at least by using your brakes. Because it takes you more time, once you slam on the brakes, to bring your car to a stop. That's a greater distance than your headlights shine. Does that make sense? It's a greater distance than your headlights shine. It's what Titanic was doing. To be wise, they needed to match their speed to conditions. I think that many of us, uh, you know, for various reasons, do the very same thing when it comes to our own financial situation. We're moving at full speed, full speed ahead. Don't exactly know where we're going, but we're going full speed ahead with easy credit. Because credit is pretty, still, it's fairly easy to get. Easy credit. And, and uh, easy credit, but no written plan or no budget and no lifeboats. Do you see why disaster would, is looming in the horizon? Because when we borrow, borrow, borrow and move forward, we're, we're moving it's by the time we see the disaster, it's too late. 
I mean, once the disaster uh, rises on the horizon, it's often too late to come up with a decent plan. Budging at that point doesn't help a whole lot. I mean, you know, better to do it than not. But you understand what I'm saying? When we plow ahead with easy credit and no plan and no budget and no, uh, no lifeboats, we're going to, we're, we're, these are dangerous waters. Did you see the video? The, I, the day, the, the idea of thinking that these, you know, these, uh, these super wise, all magnanimous, bearded men, intellectuals, somewhere in the higher echelons of society are going to take care of us. They have our best interests in mind. I mean, they're Wall Street. They're in government. They're, you know, that's what they do. They care about us. They want to fix the financial situation for us. Do they? Maybe, granted, some, some probably do. Some probably do. But, you know, several years ago, Chase, you know, uh, J.P. Morgan Chase calls me in the summer and, and because they had bought Washington Mutual, the bank that I did business with, that I had my mortgage through. And Chase Bank calls me and says, hey, Steve, we've acquired your debt, and we don't like that kind of financing that you have. And so... Um, we have this new program called Saving Homeownership in America because we care about homeownership. And so we want to restructure your mortgage. We want to drop $114,000 from your principal and put you in a 15-year fixed at 5%. And they said, we don't have to open escrow. You just have to sign like three papers, and we'll have it done in a month. Do you think I did that? Yeah, I did that. Yes, I did that in a heartbeat. Do I believe that they cared about me owning that home? No. It was in Chase's best interest to restructure that mortgage. Because under regulation, they cannot carry so much bad debt. Banks make money by lending money. That's what they do. That's the business they're in. It was in Chase's best interest, their best interest, to refinance my mortgage. It doesn't matter what's in my best interest. That's not really what they care about. Am I being too forward? They don't care. I mean, if they really cared, Chase would have done that for everybody. But did they? No. I mean, uh, Wells Fargo uh, owns my in-laws' mortgage in California, and they're so upside down, it's crazy, like so many people today. Wells Fargo won't do anything for them. Wells Fargo says, well, you guys have been making your payments, so we can't help you. So we, well, we can't help you. If you want us to help you, then stop making your payment. Oh, yeah, so then what happens? So that we stop making our payment, and then you turn around and take my house in foreclosure proceedings. Because it's in a good neighborhood in California that eventually you know the market's going to come back and they're going to make some money. Go into default so that you will work with me? And I, the, who was there? Was, was their, their original mortgage was their who? Wachovia, which got bought by Wells Fargo. So the idea that, I mean, it's just silly kind of to think that there's these, you know, financial wizards up there that really care whether or not you're on the poverty line. We always need cheap labor. The way the American, I mean, just being straight, the way the American economy works. 
I mean, the, the gap between rich and poor is increasing. It's getting wider. The jobs that created the middle class in America aren't here anymore. U.S. Steel, GM, the jobs that our grandparents had that enabled us to move to the suburbs and buy, buy a car and have families. Those big jobs, where are they? American companies took them and gave and took them abroad. These are dangerous financial waters. To not be looking ahead and thinking about where this is going for you and your family. What I mean, think about it. I worry about being a pastor. But God has called me to this. What else can I do? But I had the, the director of Fuller Seminary Southwest. I had him look at me and my classmates and say, I think choosing to be in pastoral ministry is an absolutely horrible vocational choice. He wasn't telling me to quit. He was just saying, if you can do anything else and live, you better do that. If you're not called, you better not move in that direction. So I have to trust God. You know, I think medical professions and um, being a plumber, <laughs> those that you get, people in those professions are going to stay in work. You would think educational professionals would be safe, but they're not. We're just, we're just content to talk about how we care about the coming generations and then overcrowd our classrooms. Am I on a rant now? What I'm saying is, I'm begging you if you haven't already. I'm begging you to have a plan. Nobody else is going to plan for you. They're not going to do it. If someone is eager to plan for you, I would, I would worry about it. That person probably can't be trusted. Have a plan. Say, I don't have time to do that, Steve. I don't have time to do a budget. Forgive me, but, and I'm going to call it on myself too, bull. We always make time for the things that are very important to us. How many of us know exactly what's going on on American Idol or on whatever other show is going on? Wintry Hill's off the air now. Thank God. It's horrible. I'm sorry. You know, I know exactly what's going on on Pawn Stars, but don't have a clue what's going on um, with my finances. You know what I'm saying? We make time for the things that are important to us. We do. We do it all the time. When we say we don't have time, the question's got to be asked, do we have time to worry about it? How much time do we waste worrying about finances because we don't know where they are or what's going on with them? Do we have time to worry? Do we have time to get harassed by our creditors when we get behind? Do we have time to get into fights with our, with our spouse? A huge percentage of the fights in married families come from finances. Do we have time for that? Do we have time to get our stuff repossessed? Do we have time to get evicted or foreclosed on? Do we have time for bankruptcy? Do we have time for divorce? 
the truth is, when it comes to doing like budgets and stuff like that, for me, it's not really that I don't have time. It's just that I don't want to. And I'm saying I, I, I don't want to sit down and go over finances. Julie checked our finances on Friday. It's Friday after work. I don't care how much is in the bank account. I don't want to know. I just want to. It's the weekend, baby. You know? Oh, 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 oh. I mean, it's not time to talk about how much we have in the account for this weekend. But thankfully she did because there's not much in there this weekend. She's like, oh, really? You went to the store? <sighs> it's okay. So we dipped into the freezer. I found some chicken that I didn't know was there. I barbecued them to perfection myself. And I spent the day at home yesterday, and it was awesome. And I didn't lose any money. Except when I bought a $5 uh, Little Caesars pizza that gave me heartburn halfway into the night. But that's another story. If you don't want to do it, I'm with you. I don't want to either. But the truth is, what choice do we have? What choice do you have? Ignore it? Where are you headed? Let somebody else do it? That's scary. What happens if you don't? What happens if you don't have a plan and work diligently? What happens if you don't take responsibility for it? Where will you go? What will happen? Where do you think this is going? So many of the people in this room, you're so talented. There's incredibly intelligent and creative people in this room, right here. Some of the most incredibly created, creative uh, and talented people that I've known. So many of you, you, you've taken your skills, some of you, into the marketplace, and you're doing well there. You're great teachers. You know, you're great managers. You're very creative. You're great. You care for people. You do this creatively. You do this well. You do this intelligently. Many of you make other people lots of money and have for years made people lots of money. And yet so many times when, it come, when we come home, the creativity and the intelligence for handling our own business, our own business isn't there. We're content to use the best that we have to make money for other people, which is fine. I don't, I'm not against making money for others. But we're content to use all of that, all of our resources to make tons of money for other people. And we let our own business, our own business, our own finances, our own plans go right down the toilet. Did I say toilet in church? But you know what I'm saying? I mean, where else are they going? We have all this talent and all this energy and all this um, creativity. And when it comes to our own business, our own lives, our own finances, it's absent. It's not there. I want to suggest what if we, what if we used some of that creativity, some of that talent, some of those skills and applied them to, the, to our own business, our own families, our own budgets, our own plans. What would happen if you would do that? 
some of us are. Some of us, you know, some of us are, and some of us, we're at varying stages of that. But I'm just seeing a, a wealth of creativity and skills. And I, I've just, I've had family members that there's so much creativity, and then I watch them run themselves right into the ground financially for no reason other than the fact that they just don't want to do it, don't want to deal with it, don't want to look at it, don't have time for it. What would it benefit you if you did? I want to encourage you to schedule schedule regular time to review your finances. Regular time. Well, I found out when it comes to maintaining or managing or losing weight, I need to step on the scale all the time. I don't like to step on the scale. I hate it. I hate stepping on the scale, but I found that if I let it go and don't step on the scale for a month, things get crazy. That scale lies to me. Regular time. Regular time to come back and visit them. I want to encourage you to write out your budget. Write out your plan. Write it out. It's not, it's not good enough. To have a plan in your head. Just not good enough, honestly. Just not good enough. It needs to be written out. It needs to be reviewed. It needs to be adjusted. A plan in the head doesn't work. Because I can change a plan in my head just like that. And I do. It's not good enough. Write it out. Where are you going? What do you want to achieve? You know, what do you earn? What do you owe? You know, where does it all go? You know, who do you owe? Write it. And the third thing, I would like to encourage you to invest in your FIQ. I hope that didn't offend you. I said FIQ. <laughs> Got some funny looks. You need to invest. I mean, seriously, invest. All of you can read. Isn't that awesome? You know how many people around the world can't read? They can't read, and you can. There's all kinds of for dummies books out there. You know, if you feel like, oh, man, I can't possibly understand what goes on in finances. Yes, you can. You can, too, understand it. I mean, you understand so many other crazy, complex, wild things. Invest in your FIQ. You know, there's IQ. That's important, being smart. There's EQ. Your emotional intelligence, that's important. But you need a good FIQ, too. A financial, financial intelligence. You need to understand what's, uh, how it's working. You know, some simple ways you could do that. My grandpa had an eighth grade education. Two things I always see him read. One was the Bible. Two was the newspaper. Every day. You know, most of us, I mean... I get a newspaper for coupons, but reading the newspaper, that's a, that's, that's a simple way. Wall Street Journal, you could read this stuff online. I mean, you know, suck it up sometimes and watch the business report on the news and try to figure out what's going on. They got this awesome thing called Google. I don't know if you've heard of that. But whenever I don't understand something, I'm like, oh, I bet you Google knows. Wikipedia, wow. I can figure out all kinds of stuff. 
I mean, that's not always the best source of information, but it's better than me sitting there going, well, I don't understand. Why, why bother? Why try it all? You know what I'm saying? You can, you can find out a lot of stuff, but in, start investing in your own financial intelligence. Figure out how this goes on. Or else, you know, Shelby's friends in business school, they're the intelligent, smart people, and they're just going to go out and they're going to make tons of money and they're going to use you and I to do it. Not her. She's going to. Yes, you're going to make a lot of money. And you're going to remember that I'm your friend. Right? Some people are, they're, they're learning this stuff, but so many of us don't have a clue. Don't have a clue, and it's bad. And we get hurt. So when the financial, when the, when the market collapsed in 2008, those big investment bankers, what happened to them? Million-dollar bonuses and good jobs. And what happened to you? What happened, what happened to all those people that got sold all those bad subprime mortgages? They were not told that they were bad at the closing table. They were said, this is an awesome deal. This is a great deal. Look at you. You're getting a five-bedroom, three-bedroom house. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that you work at Starbucks. You got five kids. And you're going to have a $350,000, $400,000 mortgage because we're putting you in a negatively amortizing interest-only loan with five or six options to pay on it. And don't even worry about it because in five years, when it adjusts and goes up to something that you could never, ever dream of paying, it doesn't matter because you'll just refinance because houses always go up in value. Trust me, I was there at that table. They weren't sold bad ideas. They were sold good ideas that were really bad. If you don't, if you don't figure it out for yourself, nobody's going to do it for you. These are dangerous waters. Stand with me.